Teachings that do not speak of pain have no meaning, because humankind cannot gain anything without first giving something in return. In alchemy, to obtain something, something of equal value must be lost. This is equivalent exchange. Okay, I'm now actually ready to start. <laughs> but I promise you I'll bring some more banter later. Don't you worry. <laughs> I'll hold you to it. Challenge accepted. I mean... <laughs> Welcome to Equivalent Exchange, a podcast about Fullmetal Alchemist by Hiromu Arakawa. I'm Kayla. <laughs> I'm Kayla. <laughs> I'm Ellen. And I'm Cosm. <laughs> I'm Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to be included. Like, I'm here too. <laughs> yeah. He's always here. Lurking. <laughs> Watching, waiting, chewing on my elbow, jingle jangling, <laughs> chewing on my elbow. <laughs> so today we're gonna be uh, we're doing uh, chapters thirty-four through thirty-six. Yay! Yay! It's gonna be exciting. Yeah, <laughs> I was really excited, and then I forgot because I, I remembered what happened. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh no, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. Oh. oh. <laughs> I mean, a lot of other things happened that yeah, weren't so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really? Some, no. Uh, <laughs> Were there? Tess, did you hear the how my voice changed in the middle of what I was saying? <laughs> I became very unsure of my answer. <laughs> I'm not sure if I can agree with the sad level, but it's definitely some jam-packed chapters. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely, I feel like sad things happened, but more importantly, intriguing things happened. Mm. Emotions, other emotions aside. Yeah. <laughs> my interest was peaked. Like emotions rolled and coasted. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, we'll get on into it. We'll do our uh, summary recap and talk about all this stuff that happens. All right. I'm ready. I'm <laughs> okay. mentally prepared now. I've steeled my mind. I've steeled my tear ducts. <laughs> <laughs> So chapter 34 begins with Ed kindly making a replacement mask for Ling's bodyguard since he destroyed it in their fight. It has horns and fangs now. She isn't pleased. (laughs) Thankfully, Al saves everyone from Ed's bad taste by faithfully recreating the mask, and she thanks him, though only after being nudged into it by Ling. Then the whole gang, Ed, Al, Winry, and Ling, get on the train to head to Central together. Ed gripes about the wasted time spent getting his arm fixed because of Ling's lackeys, while Winry points out that he just shouldn't have broken it in the first place. (laughs) Which is fair. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Ling promises to talk to them about it later and finally introduces his two bodyguards the girl is named Lan Fan and the old man is named Fu and they're from a family that has served Ling's for generations Al says that Ling must be from a good family to have two personal servants while Ed just calls him a chicken for having to travel with bodyguards <laughs> well it is dangerous for a kid to travel alone Ling says which obviously catches the other three off guard they ask how old Ling is and he tells them he's just 15 you're almost 16 right? Winry whispers to Ed not at all instigating <laughs> <laughs> Ed stands up and orders Ling to stand up with him. Ling is significantly taller. Ed gnashes his teeth over this for a moment, then shouts that Ling has a freaky face instead. <laughs> this is immediately met with Lan Fan shoving a sword through the ceiling in retaliation and just missing Ed, revealing that she and Fu are just casually riding on top of the train, as you do. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's no big deal when you're a crazy bodyguard ninja, I guess. Obviously. <laughs> Ed threatens to call the train police on them for hitching a free ride, but Ling just laughs and says that no one would be able to catch them anyway. <laughs> Over in Central, Havoc comes to visit poor Fallman in the sketchy hotel where he's been hiding out with Barry the Chopper all this time. They've apparently been playing a lot of chess, with Barry losing every time. <laughs> Havoc delivers a gift basket, which has a handgun underneath the wine and fruit, 
and updates Falman on the situation back at work. And also on the fact that he got a new girlfriend. <laughs> Havoc gushes, Barry asks if she would be fun to chop up, and Falman sobs over what his job has become. <laughs> More like what his life has become. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> over at headquarters, we check in with another old friend, Cheska. Guys, it's Cheska. Yay! <laughs> a happy face in a world where we still haven't found out Hughes is dead. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> One of her coworkers asks if she's done working in records room three and if she can have the key. Jessica starts to agree, then remembers something and hurriedly protests that it's still way, way too messy from her work, and she absolutely has to clean it up before anyone sets foot in there again. Her coworker, obviously a little weirded out, agrees to come back later. Jessica sighs in relief and peeks into the records room. Hello? Colonel Mustang, she calls out, because it is indeed Roy she was covering for. <laughs> he wakes from a brief nap with a book over his face, piles of other books and notes scattered all around him. How long have I been sleeping? he asks. Jessica tells him it was about 10 minutes and politely suggests that he should perhaps be sleeping a little more than that. <laughs> he responds noncommittally, then checks his watch and realizes that he has a meeting to get to. He slumps off with a yawn, telling Jessica he'll be back later. Jessica watches him leave with concern, then nearly jumps out of her skin when one of her superiors comes up behind her and asks if that was Colonel Mustang he just saw. Jessica frets as he also notices the open records room door and realizes she must have let Roy in unauthorized. She asks if she's going to be fired, but he smiles. The colonel pressured you, didn't he? He says, I won't report this. Just let... Just don't let it happen again. She thanks him, and he asks if she knows what Roy was researching. I'm not actually sure, Sheska says. He was compiling a list of prisoners executed at Central City Prison, as well as cross-referencing documents from military command with incidents involving state alchemists. Also, he asked me if there are any records concerning Laboratory Number 5. And he asked about the murder of Lieutenant Colonel Hughes. That last detail seems to particularly catch the officer's attention, though he doesn't say anything. Sheska hesitates for a moment, then continues. Um... The bullet used to kill Lieutenant Colonel Hughes was the same caliber used in officer-issued sidearms, wasn't it? Could the culprit be among the officers here in Central City? How could such a kind person be? Her superior puts a comforting hand on her shoulder and tells her not to worry about it, then takes his leave. He looks thoughtful as he walks down the hall, then concerned when he looks up and sees himself walking towards him. Uh-oh, he says, and as the double passes by, engrossed in some paperwork, the one we've been following is suddenly in the form of a completely different soldier. A small crackle of alchemical light emanates from him as he smirks. Sheska is a little confused when her superior returns and greets her once again. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. You shake your fist and go, Envy! <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Roy has ducked into the restrooms to wash his face and try to look like he's not on the verge of an exhausted mental breakdown. He looks up and realizes he's not alone as he catches sight of Armstrong's head peeking over one of the stalls in the mirror. Seeing he's not alone and worrying about him, he's having a mental breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> to trying to look I mean, like he's not having a mental breakdown. <laughs> I mean, that's probably true. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's true for everyone nowadays. COVID's really hard. I get yeah. it. <laughs> you gotta, there's all the Zoom fatigue. Imagine what's going on in the middle. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go on, please, please. See, I promised you tangents. <laughs> and you and delivered. delivered. <laughs> oh, it's so nice to have three people on this podcast. <laughs> it's a great time. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, Armstrong joins him at the sink. You look thin, Colonel, he says. Have you lost weight? Roy mumbles an answer to that, then asks about Armstrong's head, which is still bandaged from the confrontation in Dublin. Just a scratch, he says, then mentions that he recently ran into the Elric brothers while they were at the South HQ for Ed's assessment. I guess that means he's staying a dog of the military, Roy says. Full Metal turns 16 soon. I wonder. 
Will he get his original body back by then? Or be sent to the battlefront to be used as a human weapon? Armstrong's expression hardens, and we see another set of grim flashbacks from Ishval. Armstrong sobbing as he cradles the body of an Ishvalan child. Roy and Hughes discussing his subsequent recall from the front for refusing to follow orders. Another state alchemist clawing at his face as he succumbs to the stressors of the battlefield. And Risa in a sniper's perch while a voice explains that they like guns because they don't have to feel their victim die. Would you really throw a young boy into a place like that? Armstrong asks. The full, Mal the full metal alchemist knew the risks when he joined this organization, Roy replies. We can't allow exceptions, even for the young and foolish. That's it then? Cold hard logic? Armstrong demands. No one wants to live in a world like that. You're a soldier, yet you denounce this military state? I'm not denouncing it, Armstrong says. But I want my strength to be used to protect the citizens of this country who are weak and powerless. Now that this country has gone through a civil war, perhaps it's time for things to change. A person who can make that happen is someone who knows the agony of war and is able to aim for the top with a level head. Don't you agree, Colonel Mustang? Roy dries his face calmly. I simply don't know what you're talking about. Armstrong says that he said too much and turns to leave. Roy stops him on his way out by suddenly asking, Did you tell the brothers about Hughes' death? No, he admits. I couldn't bring myself to tell them. They'll find out sooner or later, Roy says. He then reveals that he's learned about Lab 5 and the composition of the Philosopher's Stone and adds, Hughes was always eager to help. He stuck his neck... <clears throat> Hughes was always eager to help. He stuck his neck into what the Elric brothers were researching and found out something that he shouldn't have. Isn't that right? The brothers would be devastated if they knew that Hughes died because he was involved with them. You're a good man, Major. Armstrong smiles. You've been digging deep, haven't you, Colonel? I'm almost there, Roy says, as he shrugs his uniform coat jacket back on. Please be careful. You never know who's listening. And then the two men part ways. In some sketchy underground lab full of groaning caged creatures, our classic homunculi trio is having a meeting. Or rather, Lust and Envy are having a meeting while Gluttony taunts one of the caged creatures. Gluttony is a chair in the meeting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he taunts one of the caged creatures, an animalistic but apparently human man with a blank mass bolted horrifyingly to his face. Lust and Envy discuss all the poking around Roy has been doing lately and worry that he's close to finding something concrete. <clears throat> I had him transferred to Central because I thought it would be easier to keep an eye on him, but maybe it was a mistake, Les says, frowning. Guys like him are hard to handle. I wish he'd just stay out of trouble. After all, he's a leading human sacrifice candidate. Envy asks if she's gotten anything useful out of any of her connections, and she says nothing yet, but she believes her latest source will prove useful in time. She then calls the gluttony, and they all prepare to go back to business. But Envy looks over the scattered bones gluttony has left behind and gets an idea. You need the flame colonel to stay still, right? They ask with a smirk. Noisy dogs need to be fed. Elsewhere, a grim-looking officer and two military police approach Maria Ross in the mess hall. They ask her to surrender her gun and come with them. Ross looks understandably worried, but obeys as calmly as she can. Please explain to me what this is all about, she says. You have been named as a prime suspect in the murder of Mays Hughes. That's ridiculous, she shouts in obvious shock. I'll listen to your defense later, the officer says. Come with us. Do not try to resist. And in town, Havoc is buying flowers for his new girlfriend on his way to meet for their date. He hurries over to the cafe and smiles when he catches sight of her. Solaris, he calls. Sorry I'm late. Have you been waiting long? And as he approaches, we see that his date is most definitely Lust, wearing a <laughs> high-collared dress that covers her Ouroboros tattoo. <laughs> no, I just got here myself, she says. I really wanted to see you, Jean. And we see Maria Ross being marched away, Roy looking exhausted in his meeting, and Ed Allen Winry arriving at the central train station with smiles on their faces, as Lust says, Tell me some of your funny stories again. It's not good. 
None of it's good. <laughs> this is the first point where I texted you yesterday while I was reading yeah. this. Mm -hmm. I was like, no. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I think it was, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> In chapter 35, we pick back up at the train station first, with Ed Al and Winry deciding they'll stop at headquarters first to hopefully meet up with Hughes. Lomfon and Fu stop them on their way out to ask where the prince is, and they all look around and realize that Ling has disappeared. His bodyguards despair over this happening again, but Ed and the gang just shrug and move on. Not their problem. <laughs> Ling, as it turns out, is doing his collapse in the middle of the road from hunger thing again. <laughs> Unfortunately for him, he's found by military police instead of kindly strangers this time. And when they find out he's here from a foreign country with no passport, they haul him off as an undocumented immigrant. Outside the headquarters building, Ed and Al are surprised to run into Riza Hawkeye, and even more surprised to realize that she and Winry are on friendly terms as they happily greet each other. Ed then realizes that the presence of Hawkeye usually indicates the presence of Mustang, and he is immediately proven right, much to his displeasure, as Roy exits a vehicle that just pulled up and joins them. Ed gripes, and Roy explains that he was recently transferred here, then asks what Ed is doing in town. He says they're here for research, particularly hoping to find information on the Philosopher's Stone or Homunculi, which Roy says is stupid. You think the military would leave information like that lying around? Yeah, well, Ed grumbles, but he quickly perks back up. Oh, and one other thing. We thought we'd visit Lieutenant Colonel Hughes. How is he doing? Roy and Risa both freeze, and Roy regards them with a strained, pained expression. He's gone, he eventually says. Ed looks puzzled, and both the adults avoid meeting his eye. After a moment, Roy continues. He moved back to the countryside, he says. Things have been getting so dangerous here lately, so he took his wife and kid and moved back to the country. He's going to take over the family business. You won't find him here. Risa gives him a disbelieving look, but does not contradict his words. The kids, none the wiser, express some innocent, mild disappointment that they won't get to see him this trip. Roy promises to let Ed and Al know if he learns anything about the Philosopher's Stone or homunculi, then warns Ed to try and stay out of trouble as he and Risa swiftly take their leave. Risa waits until they're well beyond hearing before she asks, Why are you treating them like children all of a sudden? There's no need for them to know the truth yet, he says briskly. In order for those brothers to move forward, the fewer obstacles that are in their way, the better. Risa says nothing, and after a few moments, Roy gives her the real answer. Who am I trying to kid? I'm just as much of a softie as the major is. Risa sighs, with an expression I might call fond exasperation, <laughs> and then they move on to other equally unpleasant topics. Speaking of Major Armstrong, did you hear about his subordinate? She asks. One of the officers under him is the prime suspect in Lieutenant Colonel Hughes's murder. What? Who? He asks, beginning to look through the sheaf of documents she just handed him. Second Lieutenant Maria Ross, though she denies the charge. He's silent for a moment, frowning as he reads. Then he urgently orders Risa to bring him all the information she can find on Maria Ross. Hurry, but be very secretive, he says. She salutes sharply. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Over at the detention center, Major Armstrong has arrived to speak with Maria Ross. It's an official interview, being recorded by another officer. Explain to me what happened, Armstrong begins. They both glance toward the man, writing down everything they say. Then Ross begins a very matter-of-fact statement of events, or at least the one she can talk about here. Lieutenant Colonel Hughes was killed by a forty-five caliber bullet, the same caliber used in standard military-issue sidearms. One shot was fired. My handgun uses the same type of bullet, and I also recently discharged one bullet. Why was that? Armstrong asks. To protect the Elric brothers at Laboratory Number 5, she says, with the memory of her firing at Barry the Chopper. The facility has been sealed off, and the incident that night isn't on record. The military won't even acknowledge that anyone was there on the night it happened. Discharged for an unknown reason, Armstrong sums up. Surely that's not the only evidence. No, Ross continues. Someone allegedly saw me leaving the crime scene close to the time of the murder. Were you there? No, I was at my parents' house at the time. Ross brings her hands together in front of her face, and her brows furrow in concern. 
but the testimony of family members and close relations cannot be used as an alibi. So there's no way you can defend yourself in this situation, Armstrong concludes. A little later, Armstrong runs into Sergeant Denny Brosh, Ross's partner, as he leaves the building. He, hur he hurries over and starts talking anxiously about Ross's case. Regarding the mystery bullet, sir, he begins, I also fired one shot with the lieutenant when we were guarding the Elver brothers. I came to back up second Lieutenant Ross's story with this information, but they refused to even let me in. It's almost as if they've already made up their minds that she's guilty. But Armstrong considers something even more sinister. Or perhaps, he thinks darkly, they were planning to frame her from the very beginning. Over in the serial killer motel, Fallman <laughs> is excited to get his daily paper, since it's his only link to the outside world right now, which Barry the Chopper makes fun of him for. But a glance at the front page has him hurriedly calling in to speak to Colonel Mustang. Barry takes a look at the paper himself and also seems intrigued. Hey, he says, this is that girl. Fullman connects and begins to talk to Roy about something regarding Hughes' murder, but Barry butts in suddenly before he can get too far. Give me the phone, he says. I got something to say. Over in a much nicer hotel, Ed is kicked back on the couch going over all his notes when Al suddenly bursts into the room, scaring the crap out of him. Al's hand shakes as he holds out the newspaper he just got from the front desk. Ed takes it with a puzzled frown and begins reading, but his eyes soon go wide with shock. What the hell is this, he says shakily. Second Lieutenant Maria Ross has been convicted of the murder of Brigadier General Mace Hughes. In the next room over, the commotion from next door has caught Winry's attention, and she pokes her head out into the hallway as Ed and Al are leaving. What's the matter? she asks. Winry, Ed says, a pained expression on his face. He hesitates, then puts his hand on her shoulder as they pass by. Sorry, I gotta go check to see if it's true, and then I'll explain later. And they leave her confused and slightly annoyed in the hallway. <laughs> Back at the detention center, Ling is being processed, and he protests the metal identification bands he now has to wear around his wrist. The unsympathetic police officer asks him a series of questions about his illegal border crossing, looking fairly uninterested in the proceedings. At least until a commotion of banging and screaming breaks out from outside the door. Some crazy armor-wearing guy has broken into the building, another officer shouts. That crazy armor-wearing guy is, of course, our friend Barry, <laughs> who seems to be having quite a good time barreling down the hallway and taunting the officers as their bullets ineffectually bounce off his armor. Someone eventually drags out a shotgun, which does a little bit better. It puts a good hole in Barry's head and sends it flying backward. But he just casually catches it and puts it back on, thoroughly freaking everyone out. Not good enough, he yells, and then lunges forward to politely clunk the officers on the head with the blunt end of his knife, knocking them out cold. <laughs> Dang it, it's no fun when you can't chop them up, he complains. <laughs> he continues on his way, muttering about doing what he came here to do. And then Ling, prince of poor judgment, calls out to him and asks <laughs> if he'll set him free. <laughs> Who the hell are you? Barry asks. Just an innocent traveler from Shin. Shin, eh? You've come a long way, Barry says, then swiftly turns to walk away. I ain't got time to be messing with you. Ling begs him to reconsider, promising that he can make it worth his while, and Barry pauses again. Where'd you say you're from? Ling repeats that he's from Shin, and Barry breaks the lock on his cell and tells him to hurry up and follow along. They break into the confiscation room and pick up Ling's sword, which Barry happily claims, despite Ling's complaints. <laughs> and then they finally reach their destination, Maria Ross's cell. Hello, honey, I finally found you, Barry greets her in his usual horrifying manner. <laughs> Maria steps back in shock. I saw you at lab number five, she says. Barry breaks the lock on her cell and enters. I'm touched that you remember me, he says. I thought about you every time I saw the hole you shot through my right hand. And now, word on the street is you murdered some guy named Hughes. That's not true, she shouts, and Barry suddenly leans in close. I believe you, he says. After seeing you again, I'm sure you don't have the eyes of a murderer. Of course, she says, if they would just do a proper investigation. But Barry shoves the day's newspaper at her, letting her read the headline announcing that she's already been convicted of the crime. Maria stares at the paper in disbelief. Now that they've got you framed, they'll skip the trial and go straight to the firing squad, Barry tells her cheerfully. I doubt you'll even make it to sundown. 
Maria is still staring, struggling to process this. How could something like this... Choose, Barry says suddenly, stabbing Ling's sword through the paper, the tip stopping just short of her nose as she jerks back. You can either let them execute you for nothing, or you can escape. Your call, toots. Maria, sweating, says she needs to think it over, but Ling points out that there's not really time for that, as reinforcements in the form of more military police have already shown up. It doesn't sound like I have much of a choice. Mom, Dad, I'm sorry, she mm -hmm. says, and then with that minor freakout done, she quickly steals herself going forward. Fine, I'll be a fugitive. That's what you want, right? Escort me out of here, you boneheaded freak. <laughs> Saucy, Barry says. I like your attitude. And the odd trio makes their way out. <laughs> Elsewhere, news of the breakout has reached military authority, and they put out a call to the city. Maria Ross has escaped. Her companions are believed to be armed and dangerous. Apprehend them immediately, and if they resist, shoot to kill. Sitting at his desk with an inscrutable look, Roy hears the order and stands up. Lieutenant, he says to Hawkeye, who's standing nearby. I'm going out for a minute. Take care of things while I'm gone. And he opens a drawer to retrieve his flame alchemy gloves. Back on the streets, the prison break trio has run into Ed and Al, and all parties are very shocked by this meeting. They do a little, Janet, Dr. Scott, back and forth for a bit. <laughs> Rocky. <laughs> and then get down to business, with Ed and Al desperately asking Ross what's going on and if she really killed Hughes. Barry stands in front of her with blades drawn and tells her to hurry through the alley to the warehouse district. If the military police show up, they'll shoot you, he adds when she hesitates. Maria grits her teeth, then runs for the alley. I'm sorry, Edward, she calls over her shoulder. I'll explain it to you later. Ed tries to follow, but he and Al are blocked by Barry, and Maria disappears into the darkness. Meanwhile, a fallman is just now recovering from Barry having apparently used the telephone to knock him unconscious. He grumbles for a bit and picks up the phone and dials into Mustang's office, where Hawkeye picks up. I'm very sorry. The prisoner has escaped, he tells her. Is the colonel? The colonel is out on personal business, she interrupts. He won't be returning for a while. And in the alleyway, Maria Ross has run into Roy Mustang. Maria Ross, I presume, he says, a look of cold anger on his face. He snaps his fingers, and Maria reels back from the flash. Over in the street, Ed Al and Barry see the resulting explosion. Ed makes a run for it and manages to get past Barry while Al takes a swing to keep him occupied. Barry grumps that he doesn't have time for this and takes off in the opposite direction, Ling trailing after. Al asks Ling what the heck he's doing with a guy like that, but Ling just gives an apologetic wave and keeps going. Al sighs and goes after his brother instead. In the alley, Ed has come across a horrific sight. A charred human body wearing Maria Ross's ID tags and Roy Mustang standing over it. Roy greets him coolly, and Ed clenches his fist. What's the meaning of this? He demands, voice shaking with rage. How could you do this? Explain yourself! Chapter 36 picks up right where we left off. Ed looks down. When? Why was Lieutenant Colonel Hughes killed? Why did Second Lieutenant Ross have to... Finally, it all spills over, and he lunges forward to grab Roy by the collar. Why didn't you tell me? We cut back to the hotel for a moment, where Winry tuts over the fact that Ed and Al left their door unlocked and also left their room a mess when they took off in such a hurry. She steps in to tidy the table a bit, and she picks up the newspaper. Back in the alley, Roy punches Ed down to make him let go. You would raise your hand to a superior officer, he says, straightening his collar. Know your place. Enraged, Ed lunges in to strike him, but Al arrives just in time to grab him from behind and stop him. I'm not sure what happened, but, he begins as Ed fights to get loose, and Ed spits out, This bastard killed Second Lieutenant Ross! Al, shocked, looks over at the burnt body lying nearby. He doesn't let go of Ed, but he also starts demanding answers. Maria Ross was convicted of murdering Hughes. When she escaped from prison, our orders were shoot to kill, Roy explains briskly. There's nothing more to say. That doesn't explain anything, Al shouts. 
I apologize for keeping Hughes's death a secret, is all Roy adds, as civilians and police sirens both begin to arrive on the scene. From nearby rooftop, Barry and Ling observe the confrontation. Damn it, this wasn't part of the plan, Barry says. What do we do now? Ling asks. The military coppers are onto us, he answers. We got no choice but to run. Let's go. Back on ground level, the military police begin processing the scene, talking with everyone there and bringing out a cloth to wrap up the body and take it away. The officer in charge of the police goes over to talk to Mustang, asking him to explain his actions. My orders were to shoot to kill if she resisted. She resisted, he answers briefly. The officer scowls. I know you're trying to earn points, but isn't this a bit much? Points, Roy says. I guess a classy central guy like you doesn't like to see a hick from back east being promoted. I'm saying that you went too far, the officer snaps. Thanks to you, we can't even confirm the identity of the body. A little later, everyone is gathered at the coroner's office. Armstrong takes Adnell aside and apologizes for not telling them about Hughes' death. So he was killed for knowing too much about the Philosopher's Stone, Ed says. He closes his eyes. It's all my fault. I got him involved. Armstrong hurriedly tells him not to blame himself, but Ed and Al both look away. Winry was really looking forward to seeing the lieutenant colonel and his family, Ed says, looking miserable. I don't know how I'm going to break it to her. The coroner emerges then and begins to give his report. The charring on the body was so severe that he can't even tell if she was burned before or after death, but he was able to confirm her identity through dental records. It's barbaric, if you ask me, he adds. He burned this beautiful girl until she was just a pile of ash. He must have really had something against her. Right, Mr. Mustang? Roy is seated apart from the rest of the group, looking unmoved. It's been so long, he says. I guess I overdid it. The coroner scoffs. I know you were avenging your friend's death, but for a hero of the Ishvalan War to go so far and with a young woman, it makes me sick. And with that, the coroner leaves. Armstrong walks over to Mustang. I apologize for the actions of my subordinate, he says, which Roy dismisses, but he goes on. I never thought that Second Lieutenant Ross could let us down, let alone murder a fellow officer. His shoulders begin to shake. She was an honest, decent, caring. For a moment, his face is contorted in rage, but that fight quickly leaves him and he can't even finish his sentence. He slumps down into a nearby chair and covers his face with his hand. Roy watches him for a moment, then steps forward and crouches down beside him. You look a bit fatigued, Major. Why not take some time off? He says. Let's see. The place where I was stationed in the east was really nice. It's away from all the noise of the city, and more importantly, the women are gorgeous. And he walks off down the hallway without another word to anyone else. Ed, disgusted, kicks over a trash can in impotent fury. Over at Serial Killer Suites, Fallman is chewing... <laughs> Hallman is chewing Barry out for his little nighttime adventure. Don't sweat it, bub. No one saw me coming back here, he says, unconcerned as he casually sharpens his butcher knife. But Fallman isn't done because he's also less than thrilled that Barry brought a guest back with him. Ling, who is now simultaneously sending smoke signals and cooking some fish over a fire in the hotel courtyard. <laughs> What's the point of hiding out here if you're just going to... Fallman tries to continue, but he's cut off by the sudden arrival of Lanfan and Fu, who received their master's signal and are thrilled to have found him again. <laughs> Now there's more of them, Barry points out cheerfully, while Fallman claws at his own face in frustration. <laughs> at the nicer hotel, Ed and Al hesitate outside Winry's door. Ed finally gets up the nerve to knock, but there's no answer. They decide to wait in their own room for her to get back. Oh no, I left the door unlocked, Ed realizes. Al looks around to see if anything was stolen, but Ed immediately zeroes in on the table. It's gone, he says. The newspaper's gone. He sits down heavily and puts his hand to his forehead. I'm such an idiot. Elsewhere in town, we see Winry asking for directions, and then finally arriving at the Hughes residence. She knocks, and the door soon opens. Papa! Little Alicia shouts with a wide smile, but she stops when she sees Winry. Her face falls in a series of heartbreaking panels, and she throws her arms around Winry for comfort. Gracia comes to the door to see what all the noise is, and is surprised to see Winry. 
Gracia, Winry says uncertainly. I'm sorry for dropping in like this. Gracia spots the newspaper in her hands, and she smiles sadly. At the hotel, Ed and Al anxiously wait for Winry to return, saying nothing while the ceiling fan creaks overhead. Suddenly there's a knock on the door, and they nearly throw themselves at it to, to answer, startling the hotel worker outside. Mr. Elric, you have a phone call at the front desk, he tells them. It's Gracia, telling him that Winry doesn't seem to be doing great, and asking him to come pick her up. Ed jots down the address, thanks Gracia for taking care of Winry, and promises to be right over. He tells Al that he's going over there to speak honestly about everything, and Al insists he's going too. Ed says that only one person getting chewed out is enough, but Al disagrees. This isn't just your problem, big brother. It's both of ours. I have to go too. Ed can't argue that, and as they leave, he starts to ask, Hey Al, if... Uh-huh, Al answers without having to hear the rest. If it means other people will get hurt, I don't want my original body back. I know I said I'd get my original body back no matter what, but if people are going to die because of me, I'd rather stay in this body forever. The boys arrive at the Hughes residence, and Gracia welcomes them in. Ed spots Winry, who is sitting with Alicia asleep on her lap, and they both apologize. There's something I need to tell you about, Mrs. Hughes, Ed says, and Al asks Winry to listen to. They all sit down, and Ed and Al start explaining everything they know about how Hughes volunteered to help them with the research into the Philosopher's Stone, and how he must have stumbled onto something about the military that he wasn't supposed to know. So they found out that my husband was onto them, and sent a warning for you not to get involved in this any further, Gracia asks. Most likely, Ed says. He pauses, grits his teeth, hands shaking. It's, it's our fault for getting him involved. I'm so sorry. If other people might get hurt as a result of our search, Al adds, then we can't keep, but Gracia smiles gently. He gave his life to save someone else. That's so typical of him, she says. He always stuck his neck out trying to help others. That's why he always got the short end of the stick. But we had more than enough happiness to make up for it. Then, for a moment, her expression becomes stern. If you both give up on your goal now, my husband's death will have been in vain. You have to keep moving forward by doing whatever you think is right. Ed and Al look like they don't know how to handle that command. Ed, Al, and Winry make their goodbyes and leave the Hughes residence. As they head out the gate, Ed looks back toward the house, and he sees Gracia holding Alicia through the window, tears streaming down her face. That night at the hotel restaurant, Ed sits alone and picks listlessly at his meal. Move forward, huh? He thinks to himself. He remembers the Fuhrer telling him to trust no one, and Maria Ross telling him that he should trust the adults in his life a little more. I don't know what to believe anymore, he mumbles. He remembers Gracia crying and sits his head down on the table. It would have been easier if she had just chewed me out, he thinks. A little later, he returns to their rooms and knocks on Winry's door. You haven't eaten yet, right? He asks when she answers. The restaurant's going to close soon. He tells her that she has to eat for her body to make it and turns to go, but Winry catches him by the wrist and asks him to come in, making him blush slightly. They sit down, and she reveals a beautiful homemade apple pie that she made in Gracia's kitchen, and, with a cheerful expression, invites him to try it. Last time we were here, Gracia taught me how to bake apple pie, she adds. I practiced a lot after that. I don't want to brag, but I got really good at it. I really wanted... Her cheerful facade quickly starts to crumble, and tears well in her eyes. I really wanted Mr. Hughes to try it, too. Ed clearly has no idea how to respond to that. He looks down, grabs a slice of pie, takes a bite, and quietly tells her that it's delicious. Meanwhile, the homuncular are having a grand old time, or at least Envy is. <laughs> so, in the end, Mr. Mustang avenged his friend's death, and everyone lived happily ever after, they announced with theatrical joy. Lust is less amused, pointing out that Ross escaping and being finished off by Roy himself was not part of the plan. I actually enjoy the irony of the dog eating the bait, Envy says. Besides, your little trap attracted an unexpected guest. Guess he's behind the attack on the penitentiary. Lust looks down at the paper they give her, which bears a witness sketch of Barry's distinctive skull armor. Oh my, I thought he died when Laboratory 5 collapsed, she says. 
Interesting. There's a chance he came in contact with the flame colonel. She asks if Envy knows where he fled to, and they reluctantly admit they don't. He's really quick and good at hiding, just like when he was alive. In other words, you don't have a clue. You're useless. Shut up, you old maid, Envy snaps. We need more help. One of these will give us all the help we need, Les says, and she opens a heavy metal door leading into the room we saw earlier with all the horrible caged creatures. She walks past the cages, stopping finally in front of the feral man with the mask bolted to his face. Now it's your turn, she says to him. Come on out, bury the chopper. Yes! <laughs> this is the second time I texted you when I was reading it, and I was like, what is yes. happening? What is happening? <laughs> the end. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> They all lived happily ever after. That's right. That's what Envy said. And I believe Envy. <laughs> uh, this is the good shit. Oh, it was I mean, it's so horrible, good. but this is the good this is the good reading. I couldn't stop and I had to read the next three chapters because I don't have self control. But it's fine. <laughs> I also literally couldn't stop thinking about Maria Ross. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I would stop thinking about work for, for like two minutes. <laughs> Like, but he really didn't do it, did he? He really didn't. <laughs> I'm only half joking. That's only a slight exaggeration. <laughs> yeah, I found that really distressing when I read this the first time. <laughs> well, you don't it's seem still pretty distressing. <laughs> I have a theory. I'll present it at the end of the episode, <laughs> and it's not in my notes, so you don't even know what it is until I say it. So there. <laughs> yeah, this is around the time I like caught up to the release of the chapters. Oh, that's always that's so even awful. Worse. Yeah, it was, a, I think, maybe a couple more chapters down. But it was around this time, and so, like, this is about when I was, like, reading it month to month. Wow. <laughs> I can't imagine mm-hmm. waiting a whole month between those chapters. Mm-hmm. You couldn't even imagine waiting ten minutes. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not even. I couldn't even imagine waiting 24 hours, and then as soon as we're done recording this, I'm going to read the next ones after that. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't think the only thing that I've had to wait for like actively as it was coming out was like the current Fruits Basket that's coming out week by Mm. week but it's an anime episode week by week so like Mm -mm. and I've already read it before so I kind of already know what happens but like yeah yeah, no I don't think I've ever had to wait for something or like Harry Potter I guess but Mm -hmm. you just wait a whole year and it's like you know it's like your whole life is different in a year (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's not like I mean like that's a pretty good open and close story like of course each there's one. more, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Each but installment like not... is a full yeah, story of like itself. A... Yeah, it's more like a like I wonder what'll happen next time, rather than like a oh my god, I can't believe it's left here. <laughs> I wonder what will happen at the charming wizard school. There's definitely no genocide in this story. I said to myself yeah. as a child. <laughs> wow, what a very strange thing to say. <laughs> you say that for every book you read. <laughs> I screen all my books for genocide or no genocide. That's how I decide if I'm going to read them or not. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine little, Thomas, nope. uh, little Ellen reading Thomas the Tang. Like, genocide or no Surely genocide? genocide. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes on you because I never read Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> I was reading watch- Go Dog Go and I was like, I don't think there's going to be genocide in this one. <laughs> you start watching Avatar The Last Airbender and you're like, surely no genocide in this one. Oh, <laughs> two, more, no. two more episodes in, you're like, god uh, damn it. <laughs> actually, isn't it in the in the credits? So like, and then the Fire Nation attacked or whatever. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> it's funny. I think it's like episode three where it's like, yeah, no, the Air Nomads are all totally <laughs> They're dead. They're all gone. They're definitely dead. <laughs> Aang is like, and then I'll return to my people. And then they get there and it's like, <laughs> 
oh, that's not good. Yeah. That's not good at mm-hmm. all. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert for an episode that aired like 16 years ago. Yeah, really, I guess. For like, Which is for, horrifying to contemplate that, that, that Avatar is that old. It's like the third, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, it's so early in the series that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, barely a spoiler. Mm-hmm. Also, the series is called The Last Airbender. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's the expectation you should go in with. <laughs> Even though they won't say that it's genocide in a children's TV show. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we won't say that it's genocide. But they're all dead. But it was genocide. They're all gone. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So who's ready to talk about genocide? Yay. Yeah. <laughs> There's only a little uh, genocide. Just a flashback this, this time. <laughs> what do you want to talk about first? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. There's a lot. I said a lot yeah. of options. <laughs> I've organized my notes by theme this time for once. <laughs> so I'm prepared. Well, they're organized by character, which I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Not that anybody cared or asked. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe let's start with Lan Fun, Fu, and Ling, because they're kind of in and out. Yeah. Yeah. There's not much to talk about there. No. First of all, I really enjoyed Ed, Ed quote unquote, replacing Lanfan's mask. <laughs> that was wonderful. Yeah. That's one of my favorite running gags in the series. <laughs> yeah. How gaudy his like stuff that he makes is in general. Yeah. Tacky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like how he's like, what's wrong with it? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I also really like how how it's funny how upset Lanfan is too. Like she wasn't just like, oh, thanks. Like she's like, what did you do? You know? Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember exactly what she said, but she seems really upset also, which is kind of funny. <laughs> I guess she was kind of upset about it breaking in the first place, so. Yeah, she seems to be an angry child. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. Yeah, like your typical, like, goth teen, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She does kind of seem like that, even with the very brief (laughs) interactions we had with her. We found out that Ling is 15. That's important. Yes. And very tall. Although I think it's just Mm -hmm. Ed is really short. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, when, when you, in the... The recap, you said that, you know, their family served Lings for, you know, generations or whatever. I thought you were, like, saying, you know, the Lings. I was like, <laughs> but that's not his last name, is it? <laughs> he served the Yao's. But, um... Yes. By the way, I forgot that the two of the side characters in Milan are named Ling and Yao. Oh, until yeah. I tried to Google oh, yeah. A, until I tried to Google, like, a Ling Yao figuring to try and find the one I had. And I found these like mm-hmm. all these little Mulan toys popping up. Mm-hmm. His name is. I was like, Ling. oh yeah, they are named. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, right. you've made a friend. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about our other podcast. But... How I love Mulan. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or more so, Didn't I they... love Mulan as a child. Hmm? Didn't they make that joke too last episode? In uh, I was like, hey Ed, you made a friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah <that's true. laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Yao is kind of like Ed. <laughs> yeah. In that he's a short and short grumpy and angry. <laughs> character. Ready to fight. Yeah. yeah. He has a lot of chuspa. <laughs> that amuses me greatly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so he's Ling is 15. Um, yep. And then, of course, he got separated again by passing out. And got picked yeah. up by the cops. But did you notice, you didn't talk about it in the summary, but did you notice that there's like a huge pile of dishes when he, the cop is yeah. interviewing him? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the cop already looks exasperated. He's like, okay, tell me your story. It's like, you know, he's been eating for like three hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In the freaking like, um, you know, whatever. And Link's like, I still got a meal out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's pretty good treatment, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 
and then of course Barry the Chopper rescued him. He they made a they made a deal of some kind. Mm-hmm. I don't, they didn't actually say they made a deal, but Ling was like, "I'm from Sheen," and he was like, "Okay, I'll help you." Like, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what they all think they're getting out of this deal, but yeah, they made some yeah. kind of deal. So. Yeah. I love that Link's just like, yoo-hoo, crazy serial killer. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's like, oh, you look like a man who could help, help me on here? my quest. Well, he did see his his skull armor get blown off. Yeah. And he knows about mm. Al. Well, he probably, can he also, I can't remember yeah, who was yeah. the one who was saying that he can sense Chi or whatever, so maybe well, he knows. Because I think Fu said it to Ling, and Ling was like, yeah, I noticed it too. Okay. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. that's what happened. Yeah. So yeah, maybe he noticed that too, and he was like, "Ah, oh, another person who can help me on my quest." Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense for Ling, but at the same time, it's like, dude, that would make me even less likely to ask this guy. Yeah, to... it's like, mm-hmm. I think I'll just stay in prison. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I like how Ling is like, "Ooh, my sword," and Barry's like, "Oh, that's good quality," and just like steals it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, Ling, I guess Ling is probably like, whatever, you know, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's just gonna. He's just gonna roll with it. I mean, yeah. if well, if you if you become tied with a serial killer with no body, I would just let him do his thing. Frankly, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. As long as this thing was not chopping me up. Yeah. <laughs> he never. Barry never made a comment about how choppable Ling is. That is true. <laughs> he hasn't given an assessment of how choppable Ling is. <laughs> yeah. That's usually. He does want to know if Havoc's new girlfriend is choppable. <laughs> <laughs> and he's did he say maria ross was choppable too i forget i he said, definitely said something along the lines of uh something along those lines because she has an attitude or something yeah. and like yeah, yeah he's something like you're just the kind of girl i like to get my cleaver yes. into or something, <laughs> something <laughs> like, yeah. this is how he judges character yeah apparently mm-hmm. i continue to be both hor- like uh amused by barry the chopper and then horrified by my amusement of barry the chopper <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like i shouldn't be laughing haha <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I do enjoy that his type seems to be women who can kick his ass, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. the choppable type. <laughs> yes, I think we can make that a thing. <laughs> like, uh, you know, you start dating someone new, and then you you bring them to your friends the first time that, and to meet them, and then they whisper under the table or behind behind your back. Do you think that's a choppable person or not? <laughs> like, oh yeah, he's so choppable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be on a list. <laughs> I enjoyed very much your description of the hotel as like I was like, oh, they're in like a sketchy hotel and you go to like serial killer motel serial killer? It's the serial killer motel and then the serial killer suites. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, I realized they had to differentiate between two kinds of hotels for these chapters. Yeah, that's true. The nice hotel and the serial killer hotel. Yes. (laughs) It's just one level up from Motel 6. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoyed that. I like that the only thing Barry the Chopper and Fallman are doing is playing chess and Fallman's winning every game. (laughs) Yeah. Fallman's having a rough time. (laughs) Definitely regretting having regrets. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> but at least Barry the Chopper went to break Maria Ross out of prison. Yeah. It was kind of nice seeing him be successful in sort of this threat that he he's finally always scared talking about. someone with his, yeah. Yeah, with his head popping off. He finally mm. did it. <laughs> but then he was like, it's no fun when you can't chop them up after. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I guess it wasn't satisfying enough, but he did it. He's finally, mm. this is the full, I feel like we're really seeing a deep character arc for Barry. <laughs> you know? <laughs> mm. He's fulfilling his hero's journey. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's the, he had, yeah, he had to go and collect, what is it called? You have to go and collect all the, the people in return or whatever. Like returning with the elixir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, he's gotten, he's unleashed. The elixir his... is living, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, he's just unleashed his true power by like having his, uh, his head knocked off and scaring people. So <laughs> it's what he truly wanted most. <laughs> Other than to chop, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think one of my favorite parts with him is him just like cheerfully pointing out that there's even more people now when Lanlon <laughs> and Fu show up. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. And Fulman's like, like regardless oh. rage. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I like him like uh, negotiating with Maria Ross to leave the cell, where it's like, so you could be, you can be executed, or you can be a fugitive. What do you want to do? The choice is yours, lady, or whatever. And she's yeah. like freaking out, like, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. And Ling is like, I think you should probably make a decision, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I like Ling being super calm with the whole breakout, too, which is yeah. really oh, funny. Yeah. It's just kind of like, this is interesting. Like, <laughs> yeah, so I was saying when we said, like, he just rolls with it. I'm like, this is kind of his whole thing. Yeah, pretty much. Like, okay, I'll go along with this. <laughs> this is fine. It's all fine. He's <laughs> like, I will make this work for me. Yeah, pretty much. I think that is kind of his attitude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, no matter what the situation, I'll make it work for, for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, my next topic is the homunculi. Mm-hmm. And then I have split the military into p- pre-Maria Ross breakout discussion and post-Maria Ross breakout discussion. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so the, the homunculi. We saw a lot of things were happening. They have a lot of schemes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, lustating yeah. havoc, for example. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like... Oh, I wonder who his girlfriend is. That's funny. That's funny. And then he's like walking up, getting the flowers, walking up to the thing. And then as soon as you see her head, I was like, oh no. And then I felt the patient. I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and then he texted us, oh, oh no. no. <laughs> yeah, exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. I love how it's like foreshadowed on both ends too, like before you get there. Because yeah, Havoc's talking about his new girlfriend, which just seems like a gag because we've yeah. already we had the thing in the mm-hmm. previous chapter about him having to break up with his girlfriend and move to Central. Yeah. yeah. And being upset about it. And she's um, like, I have a new and then contact. You have, yeah, last time I'm like, I think my new contact will prove useful. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, of course, we had on the other side of the homunculus schemes is Envy. Doing her thing, yep. yep. <laughs> Doing his slash her slash their thing. Yeah. Yep. Turning into people in the military. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Not only limited to Maria Ross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is interesting that they almost got caught. Well, I guess that's probably just to show what you know what happened to show show the audience more so but like yeah same dude just walked yeah you, you would think that that yeah that just like impersonating someone and then that's like in the same building and not getting caught for however many hundred of years that they've been doing this <laughs> good point <clears throat> but i can look past that <laughs> maybe envy's that the baby like, of a uh, family you don't know we don't yeah. know how old envy is well, envy does talk about like they, they seem like they're slightly overwhelmed right now Mm-hmm. Whatever their homunculi schemes are, so they're probably yeah. a little distracted. Yeah, probably. Their schemes, all their schemes. <laughs> they have a lot of um, what is the phrase? A lot of like hands in a lot of different pots or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But it seemed to work out spinning. okay. Yeah. A lot of clowns in the circus. Is that how? Is that the yes. phrase that people say? <laughs> um. Yeah, I think L- Lust said that. Uh, 
they transferred Roy to Central, so that was his decision. I don't or her decision. I don't know if we were we aware of that 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 it was a. Uh, didn't the Fearer do it? Or, or am I remembering incorrectly? I don't think it was said before. They were just like, okay. "Oh, word on the street is you're getting be transferred, transferred to Central." Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, the person who was in charge where Roy was before was like a brigadier general, or something. Mm-hmm. Wasn't he, mm-hmm. or maybe just a general? I forget. He's pretty high ranking too, so I feel like that order could only have come from. That's true. The quote unquote Fuhrer president. Yeah. The quote unquote human. Yeah, I think you could expect <laughs> that it was that it yeah. was probably planned, but I think this is the first time it's stated outright that that they orchestrated. They certainly orchestrated it somehow. It. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How they actually executed it is. But I mean, and I guess why as them, well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and their motivation for why is that they said it they thought it would be easier to keep an eye on him. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, if they just hadn't killed Hughes, then he wouldn't be causing so much trouble. Mm-hmm. Hughes would be. Hughes would be. <laughs> we still <laughs> yeah. don't know what he found out though. We don't know. I guess somebody would be I mean, I do. <laughs> yeah. I do too. <laughs> you bastards. <laughs> I'm going home. <laughs> to catch up so then you can say the same? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going home to read 50 chapters. <laughs> I don't even have it. It's probably so late in the series that it's not published yet in the in the, in the the full metal editions. I'm going home to order more manga online, you assholes. <laughs> Said everyone in You say from the comfort of your home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's 2021. Sorry. Said everyone in 2021. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind of feels like 2020, though. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just it's just like uh, still like March 2020. Ex- <laughs> yeah. 2021 is just the 2020 DLC. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> At least so far. Anyway, yeah. so how about Lust? She called herself Solaris. That's all the last thing that I wanted to say about that specifically, mm-hmm. which means related to the sun, I guess. Yes. Cosm would know. You remember yep. all the Latin that you're supposed to have learned? All of it. <laughs> all of it. Every Latin. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there's like a huge sun on the door and whatever, so I assume it's like mm-hmm. kind of related to that. She's mm-hmm. drawing on that for her persona. So, I guess. She's like, what should I call myself? And then looks at the door and she's like, I got it. <laughs> I got it. Doris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I was quick on my feet with that one. Really proud of that myself. was really good. <laughs> that was good. Anyway, that's great. Awesome. So she's dating, yep. dating Havoc. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's good. Great. So they're infiltrating yep. all of our, our friends on multiple levels, which is not good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Nothing can go wrong. Nope. Only everything can go right from here. Mm-hmm. No one will be injured. <laughs> Nothing bad can happen. Mm-hmm. And nobody knows what Hughes found out. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> nobody. nobody. <laughs> so, Is this the first time we've seen him uh, referred to as a human sacrifice? Human sacrifice no, they, they said that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I knew that before. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not the first time, but um, surely it won't be the last. Because yes. I think that they said... Yeah, I think there was something else where they were like, we don't really want him to die because <laughs> yeah and then they later added al to the list and izumi to the list yeah. um when they were talking about because they said like the flame they've anyway they specifically referred to him before so it's definitely not the first time mm-hmm. yeah so far on the list that i know of it's roy ed al and izumi 
So, and surely more, but that's who we've seen them talk mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Well, they also have apparently buried the chopper in a cage, except uncaged. Yeah, now. what the fuck? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've seen him for a, a while, not knowing who he was. Mm-hmm. Wait, when did they see, show him before? Uh, he was in, in the other scene. Sh- they had another scene yeah, in sh- thing. Yeah, I think the previous cha- uh, our previous episode, one of those chapters, they were there and he was just in the background again. Yeah, they've been in the horrible cage part of the military headquarters before, yeah. <laughs> if that's what you mean. <laughs> yeah, essentially that. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, you've seen, like, I was like, oh, look at who it is, but couldn't say anything about really? it. Really? I don't look at him fondly at all. He's He doesn't have a <laughs> nose, and that's horrifying, and he has he's missing one eyeball. I didn't mm-hmm. notice either of those things until we were reading it, reading it just this time, even though I've already read it twice. <laughs> it's just like, that is really disgusting and horrifying. And he's got a thing bolted to his yeah, face. Yeah, like nailed it to his face. Mm-hmm. It's all horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised they can bury the chopper's body, but... He did say he was still alive when they pulled his soul yep. out. That's true. They just did a whole like uh like a hot swap with souls. Where they <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or something where they took his soul and put it into an armor and then kept his body and did something with it to keep it alive. So yeah. there's a, there's an interesting implication there to be sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're apparently still just hanging on to that body even though they thought the soul form was dead. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I wonder if they have the slicer bros too somewhere in that pile of of, mm. of bodies, yeah, the, the pile of writhing limbs and shadows. <laughs> that... Yeah, glow, glowing eyeballs and hands sticking out of cages. That's it's very strange. I guess we'll see what mm-hmm. happens next time. Now that he's on the loose, mm-hmm. they've shown they definitely shown the cage room before, but I don't remember in what other context. Yeah, could have been Barry the chopper. Could have been some other time. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, I think the homunculi. Oh. I think the monkey might have been in there anyway. at one point or. <clears throat> But yeah, I don't know. Okay, that's like their meeting room, apparently. Well, they have to go so that nobody can hear them over the screams of Aggie. Yeah, I was going to say nothing like the the dulcet tones of screaming and hissing and snarling to <laughs> cover up your secret conversations. <laughs> well, you know that place is in some kind of subterranean lab. Like, yeah. there's no way that that's like a normal part of the building. That's not like on the elevator, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It's labeled horrifying like cage horrifying room. dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> There's like horrifying cage dungeon, and then the level below that is like the um, father's goo room. You know, <laughs> the the mm-hmm. the father's um like tube chamber. I don't know, whatever. And then below that is the gym and computer. Yes, Jim's <laughs> always in the basement. <laughs> And then, and then the pool. <laughs> no, the pool's <laughs> always on the roof because it makes sense to put a ton of water on a roof. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I'm glad we solved the mystery of what's in Central's military headquarters. <laughs> <laughs> the police station where Ling was, apparently. Or it's around there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I want to talk about the military. All right. Next in my list mm-hmm. of people. So the first one on the list, though, is Armstrong. And specifically, like, this scene where Roy and Armstrong meet in the mm-hmm. bathroom, which is also a secretive location. It's a good place to have a private <laughs> conversation, for sure. I love mm. how, like, like Armstrong is re- introduced as, like, pure comedy, comic relief. Oh, He's, yeah. He's, like, one of the more, like, 
emotional and intelligent characters mm-hmm. that we see mm-hmm. like 100% continues to show that yeah mm-hmm. yeah and seeing his flashback in the war was really heartbreaking because he cares so mm-hmm. much about other people we've already seen so far yeah mm-hmm. and then i mean following that up with the scene where he gets mad about what happened to maria ross that mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah these are that always caught me off guard, that panel with him just, like, so furious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, Roy's... I mean, not Roy. Oh. But then he just kind of slumps back down, like, he can't even, like... Like, he's just the kind of person who can't even maintain that kind of anger for very long. Mm-hmm. He's just yeah. so devastated. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he can really go against Roy. I don't know. Yeah, I don't... What is their rank compared? Because it sounds like Roy was able to give him sort of the order to take a break in the east or whatever like Roy is a colonel and he's a major or a lieutenant colonel and he's a major so Roy's colonel. A colonel yeah he's a colonel yeah yeah and major is um, a major yeah but, which is a, it's a difference of two ranks if it's the same as the u.s army which mm-hmm. i believe it is. i think it is major lieutenant I mean, colonel and then colonel even then i don't like i mean isn't he from what i understood i'm not sure um, he's like ordering him i think he's just suggesting it yes i mean yeah but it definitely seems like more of a from a from a superior like go ahead and do this like rather than uh, you should look into seeing if you're allowed, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, sort of, I guess, well, I guess maybe after his transfer to Central, um, he yeah, was they might put be... in their unit or something. Cause, like, yeah, I was going to say, I was like, they weren't in the same chain of command before, but they might be now. Since yeah, I guess. Central. Yeah. It's possible. Because, mm-hmm. uh, like, Roy's not his direct superior. Like, he's not his direct supervisor, yeah. but they could be in the same chain yeah. of command, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to say. But certainly, yeah. I guess it's implied that... I mean, Roy definitely has, like, given him... Kind of given him orders before, I think. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what it was. But he's kind of like, stay out of shit. I think so. I mean, yeah. But... I think, I mean, we had this scene where he was first asking about what happened to Hughes... And he was telling Armstrong to tell him what he knows, and he was saying that he right. couldn't tell him. Right. Okay. Superior officer is giving you an order, and he's like, "Yes," which helped reveal to him that a even more superior officer was telling him that it was the fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> telling him not to say anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they also had their conversation about how Ed will be sixteen soon. So I guess we learned mm-hmm. that's okay to be a child in the military, but it's not okay to be on the battlefield until you're sixteen. Apparently, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of like even modern day military, like you can like join under 18 if you're or under the legal age, age of whatever in the country if you have like parental permission or whatever mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's like, it's not like a, you know, 16, 17 year olds legally on the battlefield isn't unheard of. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's certainly not unheard of. In fact, <laughs> yes. I thought it was kind of mm-hmm. interesting that they're even like they limit it to 16 but I guess it just mm-hmm. is something it's a tactic in the story to just add more pressure to their yeah. timeline so mm-hmm. yeah I do I do kind of feel that if like actual war broke out like rather than just the kind of skirmishes they're dealing with now they wouldn't hesitate to oh for sure throw him on the battlefield yeah. 15, he's already so. in the military and he's clearly yeah. um very capable so they certainly would I'm mm-hmm. sure that they would and the fear would be like, now all my problems are solved. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sending this child to die in war. <laughs> um, but yeah. But I do love, like, um, I don't know if love is the right word, but these, like, 
how we've gotten these like just glimpses of like Ishval flashbacks. Seems horrifying. Like, they're always just like a couple panels at a time, like out of context, and they're all just yeah. like horrific every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and the person. So you don't think that it's Risa? I guess it's not Risa talking. It's somebody else talking. It is. I just wanted to be okay. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Because I, I mean, I was going to say I was like, well, she says, and I was like, well, she's not actually saying it in that panel. Her mouth like, isn't open. <laughs> So yeah, she like, could have been thinking in it, but yeah, somebody says yeah, it's it. It's like an over-narration, but I can tell you with future knowledge that she is the one who says that. <laughs> Wait, she is? She is, Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, it's definitely not, clearly not her um, Yeah, speaking <laughs> in that panel, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like something she would say, though, based on her. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, that kind of, like, it's sort of, like, horrifying kind of, like, self-justification that, like, people in a war zone have to give themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like guns are better because you don't have to feel your victim dying. Yep. I mean, all Armstrong uses his hands, so I mean, yeah, yeah, he's like probably literally transmuting people or like mm-hmm. whatever, punching them. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely a much more visceral kind of combat that he's usually involved in. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. So I mean, and he's such a he is such a soft person that it seems like yeah. it really affected him i think all of them are though i'm sure all of them were affected you look you can see how like i think you know yeah i think they're all affected they show it differently yes and i think i don't know just with armstrong again he's so big so manly at least in appearance that it's just very it's very refreshing to sort of see him kind of i don't know in a state like Mm -hmm. this you know it's it's Again, also because he's often a comic relief character to see such a serious um, perspective from him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like it's like, I think when you saw like the first couple panels where Armstrong was introduced, you would not have guessed that some chapters later you would see him like holding a dead child and sobbing in a war zone. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. He has kind of like this carefree attitude mm-hmm. and exuberant, you know, personality. Yeah. 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 And he even gives us his reason, like, for being in the military, even though he obviously disagrees with a lot of it, is that, like, he wants to use his strength to protect people who, like, aren't able to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's great. I like it. I know. <laughs> yeah. We don't really know about, like, Roy's motivation for initially joining the military. And we heard, um, like, Riza's. She says that she stays in the, in the military to protect somebody. So it's kind of interesting how. Of, of the characters that we met, like, their motivation is more, like, protective rather than, like, aggressive. Mm-hmm. And even, like, uh, where Ed and Al go to talk to Rasha Hughes, she's like, oh, my husband was always, like, helping people and protecting other people. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, probably the, the, one of the more aggressive, at least ambitious-wise, is Roy. Yeah. Who, um, I mean. He also yeah. burned a woman to death, Cosm. That is true. <laughs> That is true, but um, well, like, because I think well, the first time you saw that ambition, he had a very sinister look in his eyes. Yeah. But every other time they bring it up, it's people supporting him, thinking that he would be great for the role, and like, mm-hmm. kind of wishing that, he, like, waiting for him to succeed. If Armstrong thinks he'd yeah. be great. And then I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, and people were, we've been like trained by the series to think of as like good people. Yeah. With like good like reasons for wanting someone in charge mm-hmm. like, like most obviously in these chapters with armstrong mm-hmm. and hughes before 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we know Reese is looking out for him. So I think his entire crew, more or pretty less. much, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They're all willing. I mean, Falman's willing to live with Barry the Chopper. <laughs> in like, yeah, he actually has like very loyal subordinates from what we've seen. Yeah. Like they're willing to, you know, drop their lives and move to a different city. Yeah, to keep supporting him and <laughs> yeah, drop their girlfriends, <laughs> <laughs> which didn't really work out for him. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, right now it seems to be working. <laughs> well, he's not yeah. dead yet, so I guess it's fine. <laughs> it's like he seems happy at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Everything will be fine. What are you talking about? Her name is Lust, so, you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, no, I had a I had a, a pun I was going to make earlier that I got distracted and didn't, didn't mention. I'm offended. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to keep your jokes ready. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, we we were talking, and I just I didn't have a good time to bring it up. <laughs> but so you're not gonna say it now? Well, okay. <laughs> we were talking about how no genocide had happened yet, right? <laughs> yeah. But if Lust ends up killing him, does that make it a genocide? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Landon. <laughs> genocide. Did you call mm-hmm. him Gene Havoc before or Jean? I called him Jean before. Okay. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure. In my head, mm-hmm. I was reading it, and I was like, Gene? John? I forget what we decided. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to read it Gene, but it's like meant to be Jean. Jean. Although the English version also says Gene. But... Okay, yeah. I think that's, that's where I hear, I've heard it from, so that's just mm-hmm. what I it's use. G-E-N-E. Gene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Monsieur Evoque. Yeah. I mostly just say John with a slight like roll on the J. Yeah. <laughs> Jean. It's like John with a, John John. With a Z. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and who I guess that's a thing that's going on. But yeah, he's not yep. dead yet, so that's good. Oh, and the mm-hmm. other important thing I took away from uh not to to go back to Armstrong for a bit is that Roy told Armstrong the Philosopher's Stone is made of people. He revealed the truth to Soylent Philosopher's Stone. So <laughs> I think Armstrong already knew that. I think he did, but did he know that Roy think- knew that? Yeah, I think Roy but, is like revealing that he knows, he knows rather than like mm-hmm. revealing the information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, yeah. no, no. I th- I, yeah. yeah, that's the way that I interpreted it. Yeah. Everybody knows everything. Mm-hmm. It's just that they don't tell everybody, tell each other. They have to keep everything close to the vest. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's why my Armstrong yeah, and Roy um, have their secret chats. Yeah. Everything is in code. Mm-hmm. Except because that. Because which... Ross and Brush. Um, <laughs> Because Ross and Brush told him after he bullied it out of him, like back mm-hmm. in the uh, right. lab five chapters. <laughs> you mean the time that didn't happen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it's yeah. Anyway, but the point is, he said it. That's all I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we can move on to the next part of my notes. Is to the the oh no sorry it's a still still more military people pre Maria Ross. Oh yeah. The, yeah, so Shesko was letting Roy into the records room, even though she's not supposed to, apparently. So that's mm-hmm. a thing. Which Envy was creeping, but that's okay. <laughs> no yeah, big deal. Yeah. Nothing bad happened because of that. Yeah. <laughs> Roy's doing all the research. Mm-hmm. He was reading all the night long, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Although he was like, how long have I been asleep? And she was like, 10 minutes. And, and then she says, you should sleep more than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's on a mission. I also really like the scene where I mean, it's first it's cute and then it's sad when Ed and Al and Winry meet Roy and Risa, like outside the train train station mm-hmm. or like I guess in front of Central headquarters. Uh, but Risa and Winry are like, "Hey, it's that girl," and she's like, "Hey, it's that lady," or whatever, which is yeah. cute and wholesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and I enjoyed the face. And Ed and Al are like their friends. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, they were all being serious about their futures and their missing limbs and whatnot while Winry yeah. and Risa were meeting each other, as we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I also enjoyed Ed's uh, exasperated face at meeting <laughs> Roy, of course. <laughs> he's just like, like his like, <laughs> oh, yeah. like his like he's fairly like pleased to see Hawkeye. Like he obviously gets yeah. along well with Hawkeye, but then he's like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, yeah. if you're here, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trouble follows. <laughs> but then when they the kids like they're so happy they're gonna get to see Hughes and then Roy and Risa are like internally screaming I know oh yeah (laughs) it's so sad but so good Mm -hmm. I mean good in the sense of like the literary drama of so sad yeah they're like yeah we want to see Hughes and they're both like oh like they look away and they're like Mm -hmm. Roy's like he moved don't ask questions (laughs) yeah yeah and Roy finally treated them like children after all his talk, mm-hmm. it was cute. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't good, but it was cute. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad idea, but it was understandable. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like the conversation he has with Risa afterward. Mm-hmm. Where they're like talking about that. And he's like, no, it's it's a totally practical thing. <laughs> and I didn't tell them. And then he's like, no, just kidding. Just, I can't. I can't. I can't <laughs> do it. And Risa's like, uh, like that's our Roy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you described it as like an exasperated sigh or whatever, or something, a well-worn. I think it said like fondly exasperated. Yes, fondly exasperated. Yeah. A good description. <laughs> it's one of those things that's difficult to quantify when you look at a <laughs> a, a manga. Sometimes yeah. expressions are always so like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard because you're like, I know exactly what this is portraying, what this is portraying, but I can't put it into words. Yeah. With, like, mm-hmm. A lot of these expressions, especially like all the ones where Ed is like can you know you're like you described him as like puzzled where he's like what when roy mm-hmm. is roy is like he moved don't ask questions and ed is like okay oh, why yeah. is this such a big deal because they're both mm-hmm. so sad and then his like worried yeah. expression when he says goodbye to winry there's a bunch in the, these chapters mm-hmm. of course um yeah these are good like these are good chapters for expressions uh-huh. like oh yeah like, both the comedy expressions, expressions like you were talking yeah like you were talking about like Ed's reaction to Roy <laughs> showing up, but um, also like the serious emotional reactions and like mm-hmm. angry and upset and guilty and yeah. like yeah, uh, the one just a lot of really good expressions. One of the ones that I liked is when uh, when Reese giving Ed the pie. She she mm-hmm. asked him to come eat the pie, and she's sitting in the bed, and it's like uh, split. Arakawa did the thing where it's split into multiple panels of her talking. The top panel is her head and like her shoulders, and then hold on, wait, yeah. It's like almost maybe the like third or fourth from the last page that we looked at. Mm-hmm. She says, I practice a lot. And her face is kind of smiling. The next panel, it's like her body. You see her arms and legs. They're almost like shaking. Like her arms are shaking. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. she starts to cry. So it's like yeah. one image, but because of the way that it's split, you get the sense of like her kind of getting closer and closer to tears and then crying. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. It's really sad. <laughs> Mm-hmm. By really good, I mean really sad. <laughs> yeah. And there, I had to keep myself from using the word miserable to describe like Ed's expressions half the time because yeah. he just looks like miserable mm-hmm. during like the last half of the last chapter when he's like like talking to Gracia and talking to Winry and like trying to figure out how to like deal with all this the stuff. The expression just... where they're leaving and Gracia's crying in the window. He sees her crying in the window oh, and he yeah. just has this huge frown. Yeah. Where he's like, it would just be easier if she just yelled at me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I really like this. I don't really know what to make of it, but I really like the scene where he's in the restaurant and he's thinking about the Fuhrer saying, this is a case where you can't tell friend from foe and Maria Ross saying Mm -hmm. you should trust adults a little bit more. Because I guess like in light of everything, he thinks that she she killed Hughes. So it's like you should trust adults. And then uh, like, you know, she says that and then she's the one who theoretically killed Hughes. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I feel like he's like, like he says, I don't know what to believe anymore. I feel like he's like, I don't know who to like trust in this instance because mm-hmm. he's like, it's like, did she kill Hughes? Did I kill Hughes? Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> it's like, did it's like, should Roy have done that? Should he have not? I'm angry about it, but yeah, but I'm like, kind of vindicated because I liked Hughes. It, mm-hmm. I feel it's like, like yeah, it's like it's interesting because a Fullmetal Alchemist, I think, like it's about teens. So I think there's going to be some element of, like, you know, growing up and whatever. But it's not, like, just a straightforward, like, coming-of-age story. But this mm-hmm. specific part of this, it reminds me of my own youth of being like, wow, people aren't perfect, and I don't know who's right in this situation with all mm-hmm. these adults. Or, like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's right and wrong. And I feel like when you re- see that for the first time as a teenager, it's really confusing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, I feel like I felt this feel. <laughs> Especially when you had like two chapters ago, them being like, you're only 15 or you're almost 16. You were yeah. just youth. Mm-hmm. And then you have like Gracia, like he thinks about Gracia in that scene as well, her crying after they left. Because like while they're there, she's super like steadfast mm-hmm. and, is, and not super emotional. And it's like, you need to continue with your, your quest and whatever. You have all these people kind of like looking out for them, but he's like, I don't know who I should, you know, like. I don't know what I should do or who I should trust or what I should think, or should I keep going with this goal? Or like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like there's also like, like with all that, like there's a sense of them, like there's a sense of like the adult characters being like conscious of how they act in front of the kids, Mm -hmm. like in these chapters, which you don't always like, like have in these kind of stories. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like, I feel like, especially with the scene with Gracia, like Ed's kind of realizing that Mm -hmm. like like she was obviously trying to like, trying to keep her shit together in front of them. Yeah. And like not, like make the kids feel bad like worse than they already do mm-hmm. about like what happened which like may influence like how he's like interpreting her words to them mm-hmm. it's complicated i enjoyed it very much mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i don't i don't yeah. know that there's even anything really to be taken away from it like necessarily super thematically but just because it's really just like him kind of processing all these different things and yeah. building tension i guess in the story but yeah it's i feel it, it i connected with it a lot um, from my own mm-hmm. personal experience so yeah i wonder if the youth feel like that when they read these <laughs> when they read mm-hmm. you know we were t- did you when mm-hmm. did you think you when do you think you read this chapter like how old do you think you were were you in high school still yeah i was probably like 14 or 15 do you feel like your perception of this has changed since you've gotten older a little bit yeah i do think um like kind of like like we were talking about like with fruits basket about like having the kind of like oh these are kids kind of realizations like I feel like the story plays on that enough that it's like it wasn't really a realization Mm -hmm. like reading it again but it's like I'm like noticing more of the like adult perspective towards the like teenage protagonists Mm. I don't know it's just interesting like I feel like uh, as now as an adult I perceive things like this in media differently for sure Mm -hmm. yeah because I've taught we haven't seen like a a ton of it like the parts that I really think of with these but Mm. I've talked a little bit about how like I appreciate that like the adult characters like treat the kids as kids and not in a like condescending way but in a like you shouldn't have to deal with this Mm -hmm. kind of way it definitely didn't seem like they were like oh they'll never 
find out about Hughes, they're just like, I can't be the one to tell them. Like, I can't be the one who, you know, makes them feel like shit. Because they know mm-hmm. how Ed and Al are going to react, right? Yeah. 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 Like, they know, like, it's not just like a, oh, they can't handle death. It's like, they're going to feel guilty. Yeah. They're going to feel responsible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, they can handle death. Yeah. <laughs> I think they've made yeah. that perfectly clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that we saw Roy before, you know, be like, nah, they're like, they're, they need to toughen up or whatever, you know, like he's mm-hmm. definitely not, not sheltered them from other things, but this, he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah. wasn't it just a few panels before where he's like, that's what they signed up yeah. for. Like if they have to mm-hmm. go, go to the battlefield, so be it. He says that all the time. Like, but yeah, that's he's, true. But... He's talking Because <laughs> <laughs> he knows how bad it is. We saw in the flashback. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think another thing that I like notice more is like, is like the idea of like, like you're an adult, you're supposed to know how to deal with these things, but obviously you have no fucking clue how to deal with these things. Of like, mm-hmm. like you think like, oh, you know, like I think when you're a kid, you're like, oh, adults know how to like handle that kind of uh-huh. stuff, but then you see they're like, I have no idea how to fucking talk to these teenagers about this <laughs> horrible thing, horrible <laughs> murder that they're mm-hmm. going to feel guilty for. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're definitely right about that. <laughs> What are you talking about? Adults know everything. Yeah. <laughs> we would know because we're adults. <laughs> it's like we see multiple different, like, you know, smart, capable adult characters who just, like, are like, I can't talk about yeah. this. I don't know what to well, do. Well, and like, they're all sad. Like, they, they're acting yeah. like they're living. They're kind of like, I mean, they're doing what they have to do to, like, get through the day. But they don't want to talk about it. They're upset about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they all have yeah. a personal connection to the victim on some mm-hmm. level. So Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is kind of interesting to see that. Well, that's yeah. that's one of the, the the takes that I got from like I don't know the the way I at least interpreted it was I mean yeah Mustang doesn't really want to break the news to them but I think he's too distraught over it himself to sort of be the support that he needs to be for them when they find out you know like I yeah I, I agree with him that he's not the one to talk to them about it yeah <laughs> no he shouldn't be Roy's not the one I would choose no. Probably, mm-hmm. if anybody, maybe Risa Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah. If I had to pick one of them, it would be her. But she doesn't want mm-hmm. to do it either. Nobody does. Yeah. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. nobody wants to make them feel guilty and sad. Yeah. But yeah. But then finding out the newspaper is also not. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely. Not good. Not. They really should have told them before they published it in the front page of the newspaper. They should have anticipated yeah. that, that was going to happen. <laughs> well, I mean, the death was a while ago. They probably thought they got away with it because they were out of town when the death was reported. Yeah. They're like, yeah. They didn't know that they were going to suddenly decide to frame Maria Ross and throw it in <laughs> the What are you talking about? Today. She did it. I think she don't. <laughs> she was, like, was my convicted <laughs> in a theoretical, you know, tribunal or whatever that theoretically mm. happened. How dare you mm-hmm. say that that's not true? <laughs> How dare you question the media? What are you doing? <laughs> anyway, yes. Yeah. yeah. I also like how, like, like, Ed and Al figure out from the newspaper, and that's horrible. And then they accidentally do the same thing to <laughs> Winry. Yeah. And he's like, oh, crap. Like, I like, yeah, I like, he's like, fuck, I'm an yes. idiot. Like, when yeah. he mm-hmm. comes back. I like how he... But then he's like, I have to tell Winry. Yeah, I'm going to have to be the one who tells Winry. I don't know how I'm going to tell Winry. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was too yeah. late, but... Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. how he was already kind of resigned to being like, I'm going to have to be the one who tells her. You know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Ed's the only one who, who took any responsibility for communicating this tragedy. Yeah. Unlike all these adults. <laughs> and what's kind of interesting is I think, um, you know, they, they bring it up um, at the coroner's place. And Armstrong is there and he doesn't have anything to say. Like, he doesn't know what to do yeah. either. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also sad because his his Maria Ross died. So that too, yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as we know, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I like him like trying to like figure everything out with like like kind of taking responsibility for like Maria Ross as his subordinate because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he like goes to talk to her and try and figure out what's going on and can't believe they wouldn't let our favorite mm-hmm. <laughs> Sergeant Denny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a sweet little scene too, though, it's that like, he's like trying so hard to. They wouldn't mm-hmm. let me talk to, to like back her back her story up, but they wouldn't let. Yeah, him. yeah. Like nice try. The incident's on record. It's on record anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, which is all like, oh, how convenient! How convenient! Mm-hmm. There's no record of this sketchy lab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was wondering if the dude uh, who was like prosecuting uh maria ross was like in on the framing or just they just you know someone envy was like oh i saw her i saw her at the as as somebody else was like i saw her leaving the area and they just took that as Mm -hmm. something to latch on to and find a scapegoat Mm -hmm. this the chapter is actually called the sacrificial lamb right so yeah Mm -hmm. i feel like we never mentioned the chapter titles but yeah they all yeah all the full malachos chapters have titles which i think is kind of rare in i would say so but mm-hmm. um, some of them are really good. I just like never mention them because I don't like think about them. But <laughs> yeah, because these ones were. Let's see. Oh, I wrote them down. It's uh, the footsteps mm-hmm. of a war- of a war comrade. That's thirty four. Mm-hmm. The sacrificial lamb. And alchemist in distress. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like the one where um, the characters from Shin first show up was called emissary from the east. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So yeah, some good titles. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I was I was kind of curious if they were in on it. I mean. Armstrong certainly thinks that, but maybe they were just trying to like find somebody to pin it on so that they can like, you know, it doesn't have to be like a stain on the military or whatever, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like with the the military, it's hard to say like who's like actively in on it and who's just like just following orders, yeah. kind of, mm-hmm. kind of, you know. I feel like we're used to assuming that everybody's in on a scheme because we always see the people who are scheming all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, in a good way, obviously. Like, yeah. <laughs> like in real life, plenty of like. Horrible tragedies and miscarriages of justice happen from people just just following yeah, pretty orders. Much. So yeah. like they don't need to be actively involved in the scheme to be responsible for horrible. But I feel like the way mm-hmm. he's so, um, you know, he definitely looks like a villain. Well, yeah, but... he can't see his eyes, <laughs> and he's wearing glasses, so obviously he's a villain. First of all, yeah, that should be your clue. But I'm just saying, like, he's also so persistent in pursuing it too. It seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I mean, I don't know. It seemed like there was. I mean, it's not like he was the only one, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's like maybe he's just an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> he was secretly in love with Hughes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can make schemes up in my head too. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, who's not secretly in love Hughes. with Hughes? Come on. <laughs> he's like in love with him, but also jealous because he has a wife and a child. <laughs> but then he's still mad that he at the killer. <laughs> <laughs> It's very, it's a very complicated <laughs> internal life that we've just created. For he doesn't him. even have a name. He's just like a dude with glasses. Actually, I think I he think does he have a name. He's yeah. just, I just didn't bother with it because it wasn't important. Does he come back? No, I mean he. Introduced, no, he may like, introduce himself as like Major Douglas or oh, something. Oh, when when Armstrong yeah. is like arresting when he's arresting oh, Maria. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who cares? He's evil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just didn't mention his name because it wasn't important. It's not. <laughs> it's a it's a bad guy. Clearly. <laughs> Maria Ross was innocent. We don't know that. <laughs> I saw her tricks like change into Gracia Hughes. I don't think it was her. <laughs> You're like out in the like central streets being like 
dragged away being like Maria Maria Ross Ross was <laughs> like keep it down crazy they dragged me to the prison with Ling <laughs> yeah get your own little ID yeah. band yeah a little bracelet <gasps> I think they need better uh, hand constraint or hand restraints in a mistress just saying mm. <laughs> I don't think those are meant to restrain no. anybody <laughs> it's like a dog tag but oh I think we said everything okay listen I said everything else that I wanted to say, except for what I think actually happened to Maria Ross. <laughs> I'm prepared right. to rant about it without you telling me. Oh, wait, I have one other thing to say. Is this the origin of the right. like 503 thing for the Edwin pairing? Yes, I was um, <laughs> not the origin, but I was going to give you some fanish history about okay, that. Okay, please do, because I noticed that on the, the room number. <laughs> yeah, um, it was called that beforehand. Um, if I remember correctly, there is a popular brand of jeans in Japan <laughs> called Edwin. Yes. And Edwin is obviously the name smush mm-hmm. pairing name for Edwin Ray. Um, and their like most popular model is called 503. <laughs> and so like around the time that Film Office was big, there's like a commercial that would say like Edwin 503 in like a sing-songy voice or something. Mm-hmm. And so that became kind of associated with the ship and people would refer to the ship as 503. But that was actually beforehand, but a lot of people think that Arakawa intentionally made Winry's hotel room 503. room 503 as a nod to this. Really? Cute. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I was I was aware that all of those three things were interrelated, but mm-hmm. not the order in which they happen. Yeah. So <laughs> that's exciting. Yeah. It's cute. Because it's a cute little, you know, scene between them. It's an Edwin scene. Yeah. She made mm-hmm. pie and he said it was good and she cried and he listened to her. Mm-hmm. That's what all everybody wants in a relationship, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> How can you be sad while you eat pie? Although she didn't have any, so. <laughs> I was like, this is the saddest I've ever been about pie when I was reading this yeah. chapter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, I made it and I wanted Hughes to eat it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I wanted Hughes to eat it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay, let me tell you what I think. Okay. Actually, there is one more thing okay, for sure. me, which is very short. Um, So we talked about the different titles for each of the chapters, mm. but there's also like a... Uh, an image just like a cover mm-hmm. art mm-hmm. um and especially the one for the most recent chapter uh which has um at least i don't, I don't know if they're the same for the full metal edition and the original release you're talking about the, the like the, black ones or the colored ones the colored one mm-hmm. where is it Cause the, so the colored ones were the original like first chapter right in every publication i'm guessing yeah i think so they were in the vis ones at least, or in the original. The have... uh... Well, it's the one that has the name of the title on it. So the the one for chapter thirty six has Roy in it with um, Barry, mm-hmm. Winry, Ed, and Al. I don't know something about it, especially like after what you just saw with Roy burning Maria to a crisp, <laughs> and then you turn and you see like I don't know, just it was a very satisfying image to to turn into to turn to, you know. Where he's like, oh, the one where it's split. Where it's Roy yeah. side by side and Ed side by side. And the mm-hmm. crispy hand. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean this one? The chapter? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's chapter red. Title. The page, the yeah. page one. Yeah, that's that split one. I really enjoy the aesthetic of Barry the Chopper's armor being part, his like uh, helmet being partially destroyed. Mm-hmm. Which is also on this, the two page spread. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Everyone looks very righteously angry, mm-hmm. including Bear the Chopper. Yeah, there are a lot of good. I like her um like colored spreads. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I used to have oh, yeah, one that comes up later that's got uh, Ling in the middle as my like desktop background for a while, oh. years ago. I don't know if we mentioned this, but uh, a couple episodes ago, there was one with Ed in like a more Western style. He's got like a cloak and like a, a golden revolver in his pocket. Mm-hmm. And that one was really what? cool this too. This is a recent one? I don't remember it. Uh, it was either this volume or the previous one. Look for it. Oh yeah, it's chapter 32. Oh. Emissary from the East. Maybe he doesn't have a revolver, but it just it does look very oh, yeah. Western. Yeah. He has a knife. Yeah. And like little pockets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, don't know, I just they're they're very nice. Mm-hmm. They are. Yeah, there's some neat ones that like like that one's like has nothing to do with the like story itself. It's just kind of got like almost an AU drawing. The one for thirty three is <laughs> Al with a bunch of kittens and Ed laying on the ground, exasperated beside him. Yeah. <laughs> also, the one with the sheep. We made you made a joke that was yeah. like, I wonder how many of the sheep that Al knows, which was really yeah. funny. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm ready to tell you about what I think happened to Maria Ross. All right. Like Assuming to, that she didn't. Ready to spill your series while we sit here and go, mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yes, I expect you to say nothing. <laughs> okay. But also, I'm pretty sure it was funny because I, I think we made a comment last episode or like in a recent episode that was like, well, nobody saw Maria Ross kill Hughes. Like, I'm pretty sure I said that exactly. Because we you were like, Kayla was like, oh, it was Gracia who did it. And we had a banter about that, which is funny mm-hmm. in retrospect. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, listen, this is, this. so as I said before, I couldn't stop thinking about this literally all day Mm -hmm. because I was like, there's no way that Roy did it. There's no way he actually killed her. I know in my heart that it wasn't him, right? Okay. Okay. Like a dumb baby. And so (laughs) (laughs) this is a story that I've concocted about how Maria, what happened to Maria Ross. Okay. Risa found all the records. They changed her dental records. Roy singed a random body so badly they couldn't tell that it was her by looking. Then they put Maria's bracelet around the corpse, and because the bracelet was broken, you can see in the in the at the end. And then she's out in the east or whatever because Roy told Armstrong that he should go there where the women are beautiful, quote unquote. That's my rationale. I expect no response, and I'm going to be extremely disappointed if he actually killed her. That's all I have to say. I do want to comment on the fact that you said burned a random body, which I'm sure you mean an already dead body, but it's like, oh, he just grabbed a body. That's so much better. (laughs) I said corpse. Is that not clear? Is that not clear? A random corpse. So badly. (laughs) Could be a random person. I don't care. I'm not emotionally invested in that. That would make me really annoyed at Roy, but then I would still rest easy in the knowledge that Maria Ross wasn't wrongfully (laughs) murdered. Anyway, that's what I figured out. I've I've detected I've detected done my detective work. <laughs> or or maybe or just completely justified a murder, a senseless murder, one or the other. <laughs> but I'm sure all will be revealed with time, so it's okay. You don't have to say anything. You can write yourselves a message in in the chat to be like, "Oh my god, she's so crazy." Or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I just can't believe that he would actually kill her, even though he's uh, upset about Roy. But, like, I don't know. And Barry the Chopper was like, wait, let me talk to him, or whatever, after knocking Fallman out with the phone. So, (sighs) that's my story about that. I hope we find out soon. Okay, I don't have anything else to say. That was my rant. (laughs) Admire your passion. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm, I'm upset. Roy is a nice person. And Maria Ross was a nice person. That's what Armstrong said. How could Armstrong think that Roy did this? 
how could this happen? <laughs> I we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm sure there's more um, you know, dismemberment and disfigurement to come. So <laughs> if we if we if there's one thing that we've learned about the series so far is that that's something that we can always look forward to. Mm hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm also looking forward to seeing more like Ling and Lanfan and Fu action, which I hope we get mm-hmm. in the future because they yes. were kind of yeah. like yeah, Ling was funny running around with Barry the Chopper, but <laughs> but um, they were pretty quiet this episode. So or these yeah. chapters, mm-hmm. so I'm looking forward to that. All right. Yeah. Any any <laughs> la- other things else? to say? <laughs> any other tangents we should go on? Should I start studying from the bar? Yes or no? I mean, <laughs> or not from the bar. <laughs> To become an investigator. <laughs> mm. There wasn't a lot of esoteric bullshit this time. Yeah. That's true. Just military secret bullshit, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Scheming. Scheming. Lots of schemes from mm. everybody. About, yeah. You know, I think the moral of the story or what we can take away from these chapters is you should just tell people the truth. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> just stop fucking scheming. Just tell them that the person is dead. Just go to Maria Ross. We're framing you. <laughs> We're sorry, but we need a, someone to we take the fall. We need a for Hughes' murder. We have to get this solved. We've got concocted an elaborate scheme to get Roy to pretend to kill you, so don't worry. Yeah. I mean, they basically told her they were framing her. Yeah, they were like, yeah, you're not allowed true. to provide any evidence. And yeah. then in the newspaper the next day, it's like, was convicted. And she's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was suspicious that they she did she was like I didn't even get to give my like statement or whatever like mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. super sketchy it's pretty upsetting because like she was so shocked by that like she had faith in the system but yeah well she shouldn't have <laughs> no she should not have <laughs> not in this one anyway she needs to be more suspicious mm-hmm. like all of our other chums from the mm-hmm. military like Roy and Armstrong and Risa etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. yeah they don't seem to be comfortable just sitting around waiting for the military to have due diligence Roy's mm-hmm. investigating shit which is about to get him killed probably so. mm-hmm. but um yeah no mm-hmm. no that was her first mistake was trusting people yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> remember never trust others I mean yeah that was what she said right I mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay no, I don't have any other things to say of importance. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, thank you all for listening to our uh, rants and raves and <laughs> amateur detective mad work. theory. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you mean mad like angry, not mad like crazy, right? <laughs> You're like yes. <laughs> <laughs> the choice is yours. <laughs> yes. Feel free to interpret my sentence however you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, next week we will be reading. Chapters 37, 38, and 39. Whoa. Well, that's what they'll be reading. <laughs> Some of us already read it because we couldn't wait. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and I'll be reading 40, 41, 42, 43. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we'll be discussing those chapters. That's for yes. sure. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, good. I'm looking right, forward yep. to it. Uh, thank you all for listening. We will see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. I'll see you too next time. Oh. I didn't get a chance to say it, but I I will be there. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm glad. I, I don't. I felt left out. Oh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel left in now? Yes, I feel very left in. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad. 
Like, wait, actually, are you going to leave that in the recording? I might. Because otherwise I'd be... Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to leave it out. <laughs> okay, good. I was going to leave it in. Good. Because then I feel very left gonna out. going to leave out you feeling left out. <laughs> you feel even more left out. I have an important question. What are you drinking? Just water or something? Just water. <laughs> what? Although I do need to finish the uh, the wine I opened yesterday. Mm? Oh, that sounds like a, a good excuse. <laughs> I drank like most of it, so I'm like, there's just a little bit left. I just need to finish that. <laughs> so breakfast wine? No, I'm just kidding. Yes, breakfast wine. <laughs> you put orange juice in, it's technically a mimosa. <laughs> I was thinking like, I have this like really flat, like we had champagne at New Year's or whatever. Um, sparkling wine at New Year's and it's still in the fridge and it has like one of those little caps in it but I mean like it's it's obviously flat now I'm like if I just mix that with orange juice would it be good? Is this acceptable? <laughs> it's still in there I mean I guess I could maybe like cook with it or something and it wouldn't be <laughs> wouldn't be too bad but oh god I, had, I just had an existential crisis what? because I was like wait a minute we're recording does that mean today's Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> like then why did I work all day? what happened to my weekend? <laughs> Well, yesterday night I was like, man, what happened to my weekend? Yeah. I spent so much of it making cornbread that ended up flat. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> so you got, you got flat cornbread and flat champagne. Yep. Everything <laughs> in my house is flat. <laughs> Maybe if I had mixed some of the champagne in, it would have given it enough lift. <laughs> I was two seconds away from launching into a, a parody of blue, except everything was flat instead of blue. <laughs> um, flat. Have a flat house with a flat window. Flat are the streets and all the trees are flat. I have a girlfriend and she is so flat. Flat are the words and saying what I think. Flat are the feelings that live inside me. What happened to the 90s? What were we doing? We were doing great. We were blue. Da -ba -dee -da -da. So Ellen, I think I think you were a little off key. <laughs> How can you tell? I think you were a little <laughs> flat. <laughs> Get out of here! <laughs> I like how you put your name in as K Dog today. Yeah. <laughs> the best thing is that when it generates a file of your of your sound, like mm. your, it, it'll say like the date and then K Dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Side note, one of my favorite, like, establishing time period things in a movie is in Iron Man 3 when he's, like, I don't know if either of you have seen it. Um, I've seen some of the Iron Mans. I just can't remember if I've seen three. He's, like, getting ready to, like, he's, like, narrating that it's going to be a flashback or whatever. And then, like, when mm -hmm. it transitions into the flashback, it just goes right in with, like, yo, listen. Up. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, like, and, and, then, and then the time <laughs> comes up as, like, 1999 or whatever. It's, like, yes, it is. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> Because they're, amazing. like, at a New Year's party or something. <laughs> That's also a great song for a flashback. I like yeah. it to transition into a flashback. I thought you were going to be, yeah, like, like, I've never been and so then Dancing Queen played. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I've never been so firmly rooted in the time period. <laughs> I always think about that scene in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like, prom episode where it pans in and it's like, I have to praise you like I yeah. should. And it's, like, strobe lights and shit. It's like, oh, it really mm -hmm. is. I think that was also 1999. Yeah. Wasn't it? I think it was. I think it was, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I 
Okay, good. Well, now I'm ready. I'm satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Um. Well, <laughs> I feel like banter is a part of our oeuvre, so <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it will come up again. Well, we've already sung like a full parody, so (laughs) (laughs) and nobody knows what Hughes found out, (laughs) right? Yes, nobody. Nobody. (laughs) So, uh, oh, he's like, I know. (laughs) Yeah, he knows with telepathy, bird intelligence, and telepathy, (laughs) he can actually sense the flow of chi. So, yes. (laughs) Oh, he can do parrot fortune telling. Yes. Parrot cards. Paro cards, yeah. <laughs> no, Cosm, there's this type of fortune telling. We talked about it before. I don't even remember how this came up. You're talking about, like, um... Oh, Hannah's, Hannah Hannah's Gina's, like, stick, stick fortune telling. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Fortune telling. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real tangent. It's a deep tangent, and it will be moved. But there's this type of fortune telling where they have a parrot, a parrot is trying to pick cards. It's called paired fortune telling. Mm. Not Pero, which is really, I, I feel like, much better. But um, <laughs> I would love, like, a parrot-themed tarot deck. Oh, there's yeah. gotta be. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's one on Etsy. Vintage parrot. <laughs> there's a lot of vintage parrot. It's just parrot really old. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a hundred-year-old. Oh, this parrot is a, this parrot is a 1970 great year for parrots. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, the birds like pulled like cards out of a box or something, didn't they? Yeah, it was like they trained the bird to you pay money and then the bird. Yeah. Cosm can Google it. He has the power of the mm-hmm. internet. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> what, <Sir>. what happened? <laughs> Come here. I love, I love his scream. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's having fun. Um, what are you doing? The door is wide open if you want to leave. You know that, right? Come here. Come, here. Come on. I thought he was screaming with joy. I... <laughs> like, oh, this is so fun. I honestly can't tell. I gave him his... I bought him a new jingle bell. Uh-huh. ball for his cage. And it's one that he's, like, liked in the past. Uh-huh. Um, I, I think it was a mistake. Oh, no. <laughs> you mean because now he's horrified or what? No, he just likes to ring for service. Like that jingle, jingle, jingle <laughs> was him grabbing it and just shaking it. Yes. Yeah, you. Yeah. Hey, it's Ellen. If you want to send us a note or question, you can tag or message us on Twitter at EquivXPod. Send an ask through our Tumblr, EquivXPod.tumblr.com. Send a note through our website at stidogethernetwork.com slash contact. Or email us at EquivXPod at gmail.com. To help others find this podcast, you can subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to give something back, you can send a little something something our way at our coffee, which is ko-fi.com slash stay together network. Thanks for listening and supporting us. We'll see you next time.